so this week, uh, Donald Trump managed to not only sit through, but talk through uh, playing of retreat at uh, Pennsylvania Air National Guard Base. And retreat is a uh, song that the military play at military bases at the end of the day when they lower the flag. And according to military tradition, they're supposed to stop and salute the flag as it comes down. And uh, Donald Trump managed to not just sit through it, but uh, he managed to talk through it, saying, are they playing that for you or for me? Talking to Sean Hannity, who he was doing an interview with. Uh, uh, they're playing that in honor of his ratings. He's beating everybody, is what Trump had to say about <laughs> Mr. Hannity. And uh, I, 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 I saw this happen today, and it just it, it called to me something that like, I always get so frustrated with. Because for all the hubbub and hollering that that the uh, Republicans do about respect for the flag and respect for patriotism and the, and the, and the nationalism that they, they use patriotism to justify, they don't actually care about those things. It's, it's this stupid game they play where they want to trap liberals or leftists in their own logic and then, and then because leftists are willing to play by a game of logic, go, oh, we beat you. Oh, we beat you. You kneeled. You, you're trying to say something, and we caught you trying to say it. But they don't actually care. They only care if you, they don't agree with your political message. Because if they gave a crap, they would realize that the flag code says you're not supposed to wear lapel pins that are made of flags every president ever, or, or display the flag on t-shirts or hats or underwear, and, or to put it on the back of a truck with a blue line through it. That's not what you're supposed to do according to the flag code. And if they really give a crap about respecting the flag and the symbol that is so important to them that, that they're willing to ruin people's lives and demand they be fired from their jobs for not treating it correctly, yet they don't treat it correctly themselves. And the real reason is, is because they don't agree with the political message. They, have, they don't give a crap about the flag. They give a crap that their political message and their political ideology is being threatened by people of color, women, and leftists. And because of that, they're willing to do whatever it takes and sign on to any crap ideology and crap logic just so that they can feel right in and of themselves. And it, I mean, it's just, it, it's always been a dog whistle. It, it's always been a dog whistle. It's always been a way for them to say, we get to behave how we want, but the second you all don't behave a certain way, your point's invalidated. You know, it's no different than saying, oh, you need to pull up your pants so that we'll respect you. Or saying, oh, you, you know, like, you all say you want free healthcare. Don't you know that means that, like, 30 million people are going to get have to get murdered or something? Like, it has nothing to do with the logic of it. it. It has nothing to do with anything other than saying, we get to behave how we want, and you all don't get to talk. That's what it's always been, yep. the whole time. Exactly. Yep, that's exactly it. You're exactly right. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong Way down yonder in the Indian nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Now way down yonder in the Indian nation The cowboy's life is my occupation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Hey, 
um, I didn't put this in here. Um, after we do the intro, the, you know, intro, um, yes. just you say, hey, make sure you guys stay tuned for John Juan's interview. I don't know how to say his last okay. name. I'm going to let you say I it. think it's you, you and I don't okay. actually know. <laughs> Uh, um, <clears throat> but yeah, you say that. We'll, we'll whenever you tell me when you're ready, and we'll we'll go for the intro. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm Adam Burnett, and I'm Carl Roberts, and this is Red Star over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left politics in Oklahoma. And you all make sure to stay tuned for our interview with uh, John Ewan about some cool stuff going on at the uh, Tulsa Central Library, which he does not represent in any official status or unofficial status. <laughs> yep. So anyway, we're going to move on to this week in national news. Um, since most of what the White House seems to be conducting itself with is uh, yelling about how it's not its fault that uh, crime happens, that job numbers are still Obama's fault, good or, or, or not good. They're good if they're Trump's fault, but they're, if they're bad, they're Obama's fault, which somehow means something. And, uh, you know, the FBI and the Justice Department doing their best to ig- ignore uh, terrorist attacks on our soil. So we're going to start with a national news story that would come from the Daily News. Um, and you guys might not have heard about this. But um, there was a white man in North Carolina who planted a mason jar filled with explosive chemicals and nails at a North Carolina airport and vowed to fight a war on U.S. soil. And uh, you might not have heard about this, uh, even though we had the Vegas uh, tragedy just recently. But this actually happened following that uh, this week. And... um, this is a just complete, we just, it just has not gotten any attention. They caught him. There obviously wasn't an explosion. Um, they caught him because he went into the airport with a bag, went into a secluded area where there wasn't a camera, put the bag down, and then left without the bag. And when you do that, the police kind of know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's been in an airport has heard that if you leave your bag unintended, you will get thrown in prison for 30 years, thing yeah. that they play on repeat over the speakers. Um, but yeah, literally, I there's there's been one story at like a respectable news American news source that I've found, and that was NPR. And NPR even says in that article, "Oh, this only happened because somebody at the Intercept was like, hey, uh, how the fuck are we not reporting that a white guy tried to blow up a bomb at an airport?'" <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that Intercept story uh, is where we got quite a bit of this from, and. Um... I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, basically, what we want to talk about in this is that I mean, this guy. I mean, this is. I mean, if you change his skin color, this is a. This is had had this this oh, might overshadow Vegas. Yeah, even though nobody died, if you change his his skin color, this this would be like all over the news. This would be a huge deal. And for all and Donald it's... Trump's talk of fake news, do you know who would run this story first and longest? Is CNN. Yeah, of course, because it, it gets ratings, you know. Oh, Muslim guy tries to blow up an airport, gets ratings. White guy tries to blow up an airport, it's something that's not even newsworthy, which is, Especially when, I, I mean. I mean, I, I, think, I think, honestly, this is actually scarier than anything like that, because, you know what, we can, we can actually, like, you know, if, if an ISIS agent were to, uh, you know, attempt a bombing like this, 
we can follow a line of logic, you, you know? The U.S. involvement has caused them to do this, blah, 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 blah. But if you say this is a guy who lived his entire life in the U.S., this is a white person just like all of our viewers, he was middle-aged, what didn't have a, 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 a major violent history. I think, he had, I think he had some violent history, but he didn't have a major violent history. And then, you know, to have to actually, you know, discuss and combat like we are trying to do right now, uh, how homegrown terrorism that looks just like we look can exist is a lot more difficult than to say, oh, this foreigner attacked us. Well, and it's also a lot more relevant for Oklahomans. Because mm -hmm. um, in our lifetime, the worst terrorist attack ever in American history until 9-11 happened was a guy like this blowing up a bomb at the Murrow Building in OKC. And nobody was saying, oh, you know, we need to go check out gun owners. We need to check out, you know, patriots. Like, where are the good patriots taking care of the bad the bad ones, you know, where are the people, where are the white men speaking up about the, we, we're actually the white men speaking up about this, this white guy who did this, um, you know, but none of that, none of that gets mobilized in this instance, right? It doesn't even show up on the news. And, and, and there's only one explanation that, that actually makes any sense. And that's racism. It's that, it's that a white person can do this and people don't freak out about it. It's that this is, oh, you know, Something's wrong with this guy specifically. This guy has been reading the wrong books. Oh, we're not normally like that. You know, the classic, like, hashtag not all men thing. Mm -hmm. And, and it, I mean, it's, it's fucking crazy. We talked about this a couple weeks ago with the guy who wanted to redo the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, and it keeps happening. And, and for a president that ran on, you know, being tough on terrorism, I don't see... I don't see any toughness on terrorism, honestly. Like, like the internal logic doesn't make sense unless you use racism to explain it. Because if you're tough on terrorism, you should be going after people like this. You should be going after right-wing organizations in America. You should be trying to root them out. You should be trying to find them. And you should be trying to stop the spreading of, of any kind of thinking like this. You know? Yeah. White men are, are the biggest threat to Americans in day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Well, and I think, it, I think it goes to the thing, you know that we talked about at the beginning of the episode and that is that yeah it is uh, that they really want to get you know when they, when 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 they have to give a crap when there are deaths you know just you know the vegas shooting when they have to give a crap because they can blow this under and no one died there, this wasn't a tragedy the only person whose life was ruined was the man who was caught but like they can kind of swoop down to the rug when they have to address it they you know use a lot of you know dog whistling, lone wolf, single attacker, and then they, you know, paint this someone that's not it. But when it's something that fits their message, they jump all the way down its throat. You know, when it's a Muslim, they want to jump all the way, you know, as far as they can with that. And, you know, there's a lot of things to be said about, you know, American imperialism and, like, fighting the forever war against the idea of terrorism, like, creating terrorism. And I think that that's a very complex thing. But, like, at the same time, like, I think that what this really comes down to is that it's one of the problems with like conservatives is that for so long white men and and even 
like the structure around them, the patriarchal structure around white men and their families that has extended to becoming like a boot, like a petite bourgeois notion of like the American dream of having a house where you see even immigrants adhering to these conservative ideas and like even women who are allowing themselves to be like a part of a system that is like inherently like opposed to their like well being, But like, they are still willing to be within that because like it is so supported by so many things saying what you're doing is good what you're doing is okay every advertisement every piece of information all the media says you're doing fine you're fine you're okay but when they get hit with facts and realities that stare them starkly in the face and say what you're doing is actually wrong and it's actually detrimental it's really really hard for them to face it yeah, I mean, I mean, they have their they have their facts as as they as they've told us before, you know. Yeah, and and, and it's bullshit. And this is what we get for it is is people trying to plant bombs at airports and putting us all in danger. Yeah, yeah. And to speak of that that kind of system, um, you know, perpetuating itself. And uh, I, I think, again, this is a good time to talk about the efficiency of socialism and, 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 and those kind of things. But um, uh, we know that there are massive wildfires going on in California right now. Um, in, in an enormous part of California, there have been deaths associated with this at this point. And there are also uh, you know, an enormous loss of houses. Um, and it has been pretty disastrous. But um, there's a Mother Jones article uh, for our second uh, national story of the week uh, that Carl pulled for us, uh, citing that 30% of California's forest firefighters are prisoners. Uh, there's about 4,000 inmates battling blazes uh, in California right now. Um, they're being paid less than a dollar an hour. Um, over 150 come from LA County jails. And um, when they get out, they can't work as firefighters because L.A. County Fire Department won't hire someone with a felony on their record. Even though, like, they're trained, they've done and it. have experience. They've been in a dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they like can check off the list all the fucking bullshit that you have to do to get a job in America these days. Like five years unpaid experience, blah 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 blah. Right. And what's I mean, they, they call them conservation camps where they have these prisoners placed. And it's like, it's the fucked up thing. I, one of the most fucked up things about like the prison system in America is that apparently for a lot of prisoners, they're like, this is really cool. I get to go be in a wildfire that's murdering people instead of in a prison cell. <laughs> yeah. That's preferable to me. Yeah. Um, though they do, they do apparently every day they're out working, um, they get. Uh, that counts as two days prison time, which is like that. That's a, a nice little thing that they they offer scraps to the the people screwed over by our prison system. Um, especially because it's like low level felons. You know, it's not these are people that like robbed a bank by putting a sheet of paper, giving a sheet of paper to the teller that says, "I have a gun, give me money," and then you know the bank gives them the money because they're insured and they don't want any problems, right? And the person didn't even have a gun. Like these are the kind of people. In this situation, see, um, you, you know what, you know what, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think of that, because um, I, I think, I, I think there's a long discussion to have about property crimes, but the one, I, the, the thing I always think that's even, even uh, closer to like blameless, in my opinion, that a lot of these people actually are, is heroin addicts. Uh, you get 
hooked on opium and then get it pulled out from underneath you and you end up on heroin and then you end up in prison. It's, I mean, it's just a circle. And the fact that we allow, you know, opium to be, you know, commercially marketed is a big part of that problem. Yeah. And uh, like some of the crazy stuff, some of, some of stats about this are pretty crazy too. Like when right now there's a big fire going on, they work 24 hours straight. They get a 24 hour break and then they go work again. Like that's, who wants to do a job for 24 hours? Who can do that? Especially like a physically stressful job, a job that's like very genuinely dangerous, right? Um, you know, th that's not good. And apparently the state of California and uh, Kamala Harris, um, <laughs> who, who since uh, rolled this back a bit, uh, but while she was state attorney general in California, she, uh, some lawyers under her imprimatur put out a thing saying, um, maybe extending an early prison release program will be problematic because we won't have the firefighters we need, right? And this is a drought, and, and like with weather change driven by you know oil capitalism, right? This is this is a big problem because this kind of stuff is going to happen more. And now the state is saying we can't release people that need to that really we think should be able to go out of prison because we need them as a labor force that's captive. Um, and if we lose them, people might die because we won't have the firefighters. We need, right? Yeah. I Which think is, that, like, I think this. I think part of this goes to the uh, efficiency that I had kind of mentioned at first earlier, because, like, you know, we could have um, a much more robust response, and like, even like a, you know, rather than letting these things get out of control, like there are you know, controlled burns that could be done if there was more money allocated to, uh, you know, providing for those firefighting resources rather than, you know, I mean, California's got tons of money because of all the industry there, but at the same time, that industry isn't being, you know, still falls into all the pitfalls that come with state and national government. And at the end of the day, powerful lobbies are pushing against, you know, more taxes which denies money needed to prevent these kind of massive wildfires that then they are forced to rely on a constricted labor force. Labor. Yeah. Which then incentivizes, you know, more, you know, uh, longer prison sentences, stricter, stricter laws about punishment, just, you know, stricter policing. Yeah. More engagement with negative justice. And, um, that is, you know, it's just a cycle. And it's also, I think, I think it's kind of like the perfect, one of the perfect examples of how these things are all, you know, so deeply entangled because, you know, it, like climate change driving wildfires in California, you know, rich people in California not wanting to pay high taxes results in people having to spend more time in prison and stricter laws for low-level offenders because they need that constricted workforce because they can't afford to pay for, like, the right amount of firefighters they need outside of the prison system, right? Like, so, so you can't really, it's really crazy to think that, like, this specific problem, prisoners are fighting fires in California, is actually related to all these other things that, that are so big, you know? And, and it's, a, it's a really important example for that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so I think that, you know, that leads us to um, our first Oklahoma story for the week, which uh, 
is basically this, except much worse, because rather than waiting for an ecological disaster that requires an excess labor force to be utilized through stricter policing, uh, the state of Oklahoma is just doing it to, uh, to get chickens. The state of Oklahoma is doing it because they uh, need a place to send prisoners, since we have such a massive budget hole. <laughs> well, yeah. And- this, this story, though, this story, this coverage, uh, it, it came out on basically all the Oklahoma media sources, but I, I read it at Read Frontier first. It's just one of the craziest stories I've ever read about local or national news, like what, what actually happened here. Um, do you, do you want to just give everybody a, a short run through of what's going on here? Adam? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think we, we had pulled another story from uh, KGOU as well, um, from the program Reveal on the uh, Center for... Um, investigative reporting but uh, basically what has been going on in Oklahoma and we've talked about the private prison industry in Oklahoma a few times but there is an organization called CARE C-A-A-I-R Christian Alcoholics and Addicts in Recovery Um, and it is a rural retreat in Oklahoma and basically if you get convicted of certain kinds of offenses uh, by the courts in Oklahoma you can be sent there um, and instead of having to stay in a jail cell, they put you to work and, um, they, you know, they say that it is for, you know, to teach them work ethic and all this, you know, bull crap. Help them, you know, get off drugs, all that kind of shit. Yeah. But I, I mean, uh, a, one, AA meetings are free. You can, you know, they don't cost anything. AA is a headless horseman. You can just go. Um, and that's kind of the whole point is that addiction is like, you know, nebulous and difficult to deal with. And so you should just be able to just go and have support whenever you need it. Uh, but on top of that, they're not even sending addicts to these places. They're just sending people. Um, the story from KGOU, um, was a man had, uh, bought stolen property and then fell behind on his court fines. And so they sent him there. Um, and the judge did it because he said he wanted him to learn a work ethic. And it's just like, you know, talk about, you know, virtue signaling on the other side. It's just like, rather than, you know, being willing to like talk to this person and, and understand anything, like instead of doing that, they ship them off and force them to work, you know, after, you know, being in a bad situation that doesn't, there's not, the state's not a victim. To him buying a horse trailer. An individual is a victim who needs reparation. But instead the state takes offense and then takes his body and holds him in bondage and makes him work. And then he ends up with well, a hand injury as well. Yeah, the crazy thing is like the he, he gets this choice. The judge sends him to this place rather. And then and then this place keeps telling him, care, keeps telling him that you can either work here or we're gonna send you to prison. Like, that's your option. So if you don't work here, you're going to end up in prison if you don't do the work we have for you. And the work they have for these people is utterly insane, right? No regulation, shit ton of labor, uh, and and no programs to help people with with drug or alcohol addictions, right? Because this guy goes in without any of these problems, and he he sees no resources available for him. And so he's working there, and like you said, he... um, he gets his hand ruined by the working conditions being so bad that it gets sucked into a machine and like it comes out and it, it just doesn't work anymore, right? He doesn't have a, he basically doesn't have a hand that functions anymore. And so then um, the company, CARE, as company policy, collects the workman's comp for people that get injured at, at the place, right? 
doesn't give it to them, and then says, you all have to keep working or we're going to send you to prison. And so he actually had to say, no, I'm not going to work here anymore. Send me to prison now because I can't do this because he, he's injured. He can't, go to a, he can't go to a doctor. He can't go to a hospital because they won't pay for it. They're pocketing the cash that he's getting from the government for this. And then um, once he gets out, he ends up addicted to hydrocodone, he said. So this program literally made him an addict to opioids, despite being like a, a program that's supposed to keep him from doing that. And a chicken company made money off of it. Yeah. I want to I read a, a portion of this uh, article from, K, uh, from Reveal, from the Center for uh, Investigative Reporting. Um, Men in the care program said their hands became gnarled after days spent hanging thousands of chickens from metal shackles. One man said he was burned with acid while hosing down a trailer. Others were maimed by machines or contracted serious bacterial infections. Those who were hurt and could no longer work often were kicked out of care and sent to prison, court records show. Most men work through the pain, fearing the same fate. They work you to death. They work you, to, you, they work you every single day, said Nate Turner, who graduated from care in 2015. It's a work camp. They know people are desperate to get out of jail, and they'll do whatever they can to stay out of prison. I think that that's the most important thing when he calls it a work camp. Like this, this is the. I mean, on at what point do we call something you know gulag like, right? Like, what's the line here? Like forcing people to labor, you know, threatening them with with bodily harm if they don't do it, refusing them basic services. Like, like this, this is like a gulag. It, it really is. And everybody who's so critical is like, oh, you guys are socialists, like socialism. Well, don't you know that gulag is a thing? It's a thing here. It's a thing in Oklahoma being used by the government. And you want to, okay, so you talk about the government involvement in there. Sharon Kane runs the drug court in rural Stevens County and decides where to send defendants for treatment. She said state regulators don't stop her from using care. This is a quote. And the program, uh, th no, the this program is a, doesn't... I, I, want, I want to get to this oh, quote okay. right here because this is, this is exactly what you're talking about. Um, and this is a quote from her, again, from this Reveal article. I do what I want to do. They don't mess with me, she said. And I'm not saying that in a cocky way. Yes, you are. They just know that <laughs> I'm going to do drug court the way I've always done it. And I just, that right, should just right make this... your stomach drop. It's just... Yeah. And, and drug courts in Oklahoma um, require that people who get sent to these kind of programs get sent to certified programs. Care is not certified. It's uncertified. It's literally illegal to do this. And, and no, one, no one made a fucking fuss about the fact that we have a gulag in Oklahoma until this story came out. No one gave a shit. Everybody's like, well, that's just normal. That's what you get for being a criminal. Like, this is... And once again, it's a problem where if the state of Oklahoma had the money to run a normal prison system, if the state of Oklahoma had a prison system focused on rehabilitation instead of focused on retribution, we wouldn't have these issues. But yeah. now we, we, we have an actual work camp for people. You know, at, at what point do, do we say that maybe, maybe the, you know, the USA isn't this great place and we do have to do some serious reforms? Maybe, yeah, we shouldn't be respecting the flag. You know, at, at what point do we have to take that seriously? And, and this seems like it, especially if you're going to criticize socialists for saying this is like part of what socialism is like. Though I, I think we do need to say a few things about it. Um, Tulsa County has suspended using care mm -hmm. um, almost as surely because the story came out. 
Um, and that is part of why it's important to do this kind of journalism. Um, and also the workers from care are suing now. Yeah. Three, um, three, the three workers have filed a class action. Um, class actions take a long time. You have to get class certified, which is the first step. But the good news about that is, is that a class action is going to um, focus much less on individual defendants and individual defendants uh, claims, which is actually a really good thing in cases like this, because you're always going to have like, uh, if you can think about like a disadvantageous um, uh, clients in this, you know, the, the, the plaintiffs bringing this action are all going to be ex-felons. So every time they get up and try and spin this, the, the, the defense for care is going to go, well, this guy's a heroin addict. And so bringing it as a class allows you to say, okay, well, there's a pattern here, man. They're seeking over $5 million. And I want to say that um, uh, almost all of this is, is coming out of this investigation by reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting. Um, this, this article is really awesome, and we'll put it up. Um, it's really long, um, but mm-hmm. it is really, really good. They put an enormous amount of effort. Um, I'm always impressed. And like you said, this is why this kind of journalism matters, because now we're actually going to see some blowback. And in the next... Uh, months and, and maybe in the next couple of years, we're actually probably going to see uh, how the state deals with this. If the state sweeps it under the rug or if the state, you know, they, they might have to shut this down and they might have to pay reparation. Uh, luckily, there is still some justice in this world and sometimes these people do win and this looks like a really good case, but we'll see. There's still a long way to go. Lots of, uh, lots of legal steps to take to get through it all. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just, I really hope they get it. And I really hope that, that the state of Oklahoma has to stop using this shit. You know, this, yeah. this is, it is <laughs> it's not acceptable to have work camps for prisoners. That, no. that is wrong. And I, I, it just, it just, wrong. it just sickens me. You know, it's one of the things you said, but it just sickens me that, you know, we, we talk about, um, and this will lead us into our, our second Oklahoma story for the week, but, um, you know, it, it, it. Capitalists always want to say, well, you know, you don't you know that every time communism has ever been employed that they've used it to jail the people and work them to death and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, one, we're already doing it. Two, we're doing it to the point for a big reason, because our Congress and our our Republican Congress, our Republican Supreme Court and our Republican um, executive, both on uh, in Oklahoma and federally, can't get their shit together. And I mean that because the special session is still done nothing. And every day that the special nothing. session goes on, we have more and more state state uh, uh, agencies that are going to have to make cuts. We are making, and they're taking another recess this week. Um, they have to take a recess. So they had to, they had to reach an agreement before uh, Friday the 13th, uh, which they did not. Um, and now, the Capitol's closed for a week for renovation renovation that's been scheduled for like years at this point. And they couldn't even figure that out, even though they have a special session expressly to deal with budget problems with the, with an explicit date when it was going to have to end for at least a week. Right. And they couldn't get their shit together enough to do this. It's just <clears throat> beyond ridiculous because these kind of crap, you know, yeah, this kind of crappy legislating and crappy governing uh, you just, and I mean, poor quality. Um, by them, it, that is what is causing us to use these terrible. I mean, I mean, it, the, you know, criminal justice needs to be reformed as along with this. But you know what? If, if we had tax dollars 
to funnel into our, our, our prison system so that they were more efficient and you know had some more rehabilitation services that were really good, we wouldn't have to worry about as many repeat offenders and there would, there would be ways to fix this rather than relying on for-profit industries that are maiming people. Yeah, and it's just, you know, they say, oh, we want an official government. Oh, we want a government run more like a business. And like what businesses run so in the poorly. state of Oklahoma is use prison labor because the state can't be run. If the state of Oklahoma were run like a business, it, you know, it would have stopped existing years ago at this point. Yeah. It's just almost beyond ridiculous at this point. And it's just, you know, they all come out, they say, oh, look, we reached, we reached some kind of agreement. And, you know, the Democrats come out and say that, Scott Emmons says that, and then Mary Fallon comes out and says, no, nope, uh, we want lower taxes than what they say. And the fucking Democrats said, here's a plan to get the teacher pay raise that everybody at Capitol Hill wants. We will do the cigarette tax. We will do an increased fuel tax. We'll do a tax on oil and gas production to bring it back to what it was. And we'll also end the income tax break for top earners in the state. And, and the Republicans say, nope, can't do that. Can't, can't make that happen. And, and it's at the point where people are fucking getting maimed in our prison system yeah. because we can't even afford to do that in a state that's so into cops and, and, and saying that, you know, you can't question our prison system. It's all about, you know retributive justice and all this shit like if you do a crime you have to go to prison and we can't even afford to pay for that stuff the stuff they like and yeah and so there's there's also an enormous amount of cuts so like we said it, you know the longer this goes the more cuts that that will be and until they actually find a solution there are going to continue to be more so the three big ones that they've seen um is the the oklahoma Healthcare authority it's the state's medicaid agency uh was told that they need to cut their budget by 70 million dollars uh, Department of uh, Human Services was told to cut its budget by $69 million, and the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services was told to cut by $75 million, or 23% of its total budget. And, like, this is exactly what we're talking about, because these three organizations, you know what they principally do? They help people with addiction and mental health problems to keep them from ending up in the private prison industry. And so instead of working with them, we're cutting those services so that those people can be funneled into the for-profit in prison industry so that they can make money as conscripted labor. Yeah, and I, I, I think it was uh, This Week in OK Politics, uh, their, their podcast I listened to, um, and, and, and they said the number of people that are going to be affected by these cuts that are coming and that are only going to keep getting worse the longer the special session drags on is going to be about a million people. That's a fourth of the state that is going to be directly affected by this. And, and I mean, we're all going to be affected by it in some way because we're all going to know somebody because it's going to affect the kind of money people have to spend, you know, at, on just normal everyday, day-to-day -day things and so on and so forth. Like, it, it, it boggles the mind that the fucking Republicans at the Capitol building in Oklahoma City think that a million Oklahomans being directly affected by their utter unwillingness to raise taxes on rich people and fucking oil companies is something that will most likely go unpunished and something that they think is morally acceptable. Yeah. Like these, it's not like these programs are doing well already. These programs are already screwed 
by not having nearly enough money. It takes you fucking like 11 years to get on a wait list for certain kinds of services from these programs. And they want to make that worse. And that hurts the worst off in the state of Oklahoma. And they're going to do it and they're not going to give a fucking shit about it. It's, it's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. But um, luckily, there are some good things going on in Oklahoma. And uh, one of them is what our uh, upcoming interview is about. So uh, we're going to toss it over to that right now. Hope you guys enjoy it. Before yeah. Starting. So today, everybody, uh, we're really excited to have our uh, dear friend and uh, friend of the show, John Ewan, on for an interview. Hi, John. How are you doing today? Hello. Doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. Doing very well. Happy to have you on today. Happy to be here. Yeah, we were uh, pretty excited. I was really, um, when you were telling me about uh, what we're going to talk about here in a bit, I was pretty, thought, thought it'd be really cool to have you on. Uh, but just, you know, for a little background. So what's your background and uh, where do you work right now? Um, I am born and raised Tulsa. Uh, I went to Booker T. Washington High School. I went to TU for uh, my uh, bachelor's degree. Uh, currently, I'm bartending, and I work part-time at the library. I'm about to be full-time. And that's uh, the Central Library, right? Yes, Central Library downtown. It was uh, reopened last year. I do have to say uh, that I just work at the library. I don't represent their views as an organization, as a, as a, uh, you know, as a social political entity in any way. I do not represent them in any way. My views are not, are, don't reflect the library organizations at all. Yeah, I'm really sad. Uh, Last time I was, I was stateside, I actually didn't go into the central library uh, because they had just finished it and it looked really cool. And I, I don't know, I feel like, I think we all know the, the joke. I think it was Matt, Maddie Iglesias tweeted out. He's like, yeah, public libraries would strike everybody as super socialist <laughs> if, they, if we just came up with that today. Um, yeah, see, I, I didn't actually know who had, who had said that. I've been, that. That's been on my mind for the past, uh, <laughs> I don't know, a year. Yeah, it's like, it, I mean, the whole idea of, like, you can just take them and don't treat them poorly, and then everybody gets it. It's like, wow. It's almost public like... Public funds, <laughs> open access. Yeah, it's, it, and and it, it it works. <laughs> pretty pretty strange. Um, but uh, I just I want to know uh, how long have you been a leftist for, and uh, what what really got you into leftist politics? Um, uh, as as far as like actually ideology, uh, like ideologically speaking, probably a lot longer than I would guess. Uh, but as far as being like self identifying, uh, maybe about couple years two years two and a half um i think we both sorry i think second half of your question yeah i mean well like like what was that realization moment because i think i think for a lot of people i i know for me too like i feel like my politics hasn't changed that much and like i didn't realize i was a leftist for a while and then it just kind of clicked and i i think that's an always an interesting story when people like have that moment um, I'm not sure if there was like a cohesive uh, moment. Uh, I think I think it was more just a gradual slog of uh, y- you know normalizing the conversation um, on social media. A lot a lot of just shit posting memes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you know, just just turning it into a normal 
uh, facet of conversation, a normal facet of um, the political experience and political ideas. It's not, uh, you know, when it when it doesn't become any more the specter that Mark spoke of, you know, we can get past that initial like that that knee jerk reaction of oh we don't talk about that we don't think about that. Um, so you know, just the baseline of looking at where collectivist ideas are rooted, uh, you know, in 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 the well-being of as many people as possible, as opposed to spreading that and concentrating it at the top. Uh, once once we establish that idea, then we can start to look at far left ideologies through a different lens from how they're painted. Yeah, yeah, and and especially October in October, I think that makes a lot of sense. That 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 specter, because um, yeah, and and I think we we, we talked about this. You know, it's, it's communism is really fucking spoopy to a lot of people. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, it is, and designedly so, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, all the rich people, like, like the U.S., just has spent like. Uh, probably like trillions upon trillions of of its wealth just been like uh, the spookiest idea ever um yep but uh, there's another thing in october that also makes this a pretty important month i think for this specter of communism and uh that's what we actually wanted to talk with you about today so uh what's this exhibition you're putting you put on at the library um it's okay it's it's not an exhibition really <laughs> it's um <laughs> uh it's a display so at the library, just on the on the main floor, we have a variety of different displays for different topics. Uh, we had one for Band Books Week. Uh, we do them for just staff picks all the time. We do one uh, every year for Halloween, just kind of a spooky display, uh, horror mystery kind of stuff. Um, but I had the idea probably about just under six months ago, which is kind of an unheard of long uh, incubation period for display uh, to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the October Revolution. Um, so this Which has is... kind of been in the works for a long time, but it's just a simple display. Uh, I have a lot of different um, directly related books and literature out um, with some also just peripheral works and uh, kind of fluff fiction just to fill things out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I like I, I remember seeing your photo on Facebook of uh, the books you had, like the display once you had it set up. And I, I was just shocked by how many actual like left wing or Marxist books the Tulsa library system had. Like I didn't I never expected us to have like a Rosa Luxemburg <laughs> book or something. Uh, yeah, um, actually. Uh, most of most of those I did not actually order, and I, I ordered quite a lot to to fill out our collection. But um, most of those we already had. Uh, let me see if I can pull up a actual list of some of the things that are on the display right now. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be uh, really cool, I think. And and also just because I mean, I I I think for a lot of of left-wing people it starts on the internet like you were describing you know seeing some memes and stuff like that and then like knowing that there's also stuff in, in the real world that you can deal with it, it actually like it's really cool i remember whenever the first time i ever really used a library to try and look at some left-wing stuff it was at ou and i was 
not very happy with what they had on offer, but it was still just really nice to get a book instead of just being on like Libcom and Marxist, um, the Marxist Internet Archives. Yeah. I can. So this is cool. I in in kind of the same way. I had I had a similar experience with uh, with like Marxist um, archive that uh, when I write the first time I read Ingalls uh, on the housing question, when it was just like, oh my gosh. This is just such a common sense way to deal with a problem that I've heard so many people like talk around and over and then just dismiss Frederick Ingalls because of what his name is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, again, there's there's that knee jerk reaction where uh, I, I mean, even even a lot of like Sanders supporters, uh, you know, you know, these self-described democratic socialists. Uh, you, you know, when you breach a little bit farther left and go into, you know, full on communism, they go, oh, wait a minute there. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't we don't we don't want to go that far. That that's you know, that's getting into some spooky shit. Yeah, I mean, the, the amount of times people were like, were just I've like only, oh, do, you, do you like Bernie Sanders? <laughs> well, I just want to say I've only ever been a skeleton inside a human body my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Inside each and every one of us. One <laughs> spoopy ass skeleton. Um, so, has there was there any whenever you like propose the idea um, at the library? I mean, you already said it was kind of a long time frame for doing a display like this. Was there uh, was there any pushback from the library, or were they just kind of like, yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Let's do that. Um, there wasn't any pushback at least that I experienced. I'm not going to say there wasn't any somewhere along the chain, uh, but as far as me making my proposals and sending uh, my lists out and, and, and my, I, and, you know, just expressing my ideas, I never received any direct pushback. Um, one of the things that I did want to do was um, actually hang flags over the display, which... Uh, that kind of, uh, a, a lot of that kind of just um, very blunt uh, political imagery doesn't usually go up in a library. And I, I mean, we have we've had uh, Labor Day stuff. That's it's about as far as it's come. We we've had the uh, like the the power fist, the solidarity uh, mm -hmm. symbol for for labor movements uh, up on our displays before, but that's. And, and I mean that—that's a pretty—that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, radical image, but that's as far as it's gone. Um, well, and but I mean, now, the... mm -hmm. uh, sorry, but now I have a um, Soviet flag hanging over over my display in the library, uh, along wow. alongside an imperial Russian flag. Um, I, I, I was—I I did have to uh, put that up. Um, before, before anything would be able to be pushed through. I, but that I, is still, I, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was going to say, I think that's, I think that that is a really interesting because I think that one of the kind of demystification of communism is, a, you know, I think a lot of, especially in the uh, U.S. school system, we have a really good understanding of World War II and the players and what happened. But I think we don't have as good of an understanding of World War One and how important communism and was to that and why it was such a powerful force. And I just recently uh, was cruising around on the internet and saw a map of uh, 
the change from democracies to monarchies following World War One, and I think that 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 contrasting Imperial Russian flag with with the the you know red communist flag of Russia um, is so important because it is important to stand back and go, hey, they overdo a monarchy. It wasn't like they overdo a democracy. Well, it's also and- like it's this watershed moment in history in a way, because suddenly it's like, all of this is over, you know, like the old world order is done and like some crazy shit's going to happen now. Everything's fucking changing. Guys. <laughs> get, get ready. Yeah. Um, and not, not just any monarchy, but one of the longest standing ones in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey. Cause uh, sorry, go on. No, 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 no. I, I was just, and, and also one of the cruelest ones as well. You know, it's a very mean monarchy. The, the, the. Uh, yeah, and I, I think Roma. I think that's I think that that probably contributed to the way in which they fell. Uh, you know, from a proletarian revolution as opposed to a petty bourgeois one. Mm-hmm. And it is. I mean, I, I think. It, it it's really important and it really is something that you know something like a library is supposed to be i think the place where if you're not you know going to school that's like the kind of place where you should be getting that kind of information you know that's that's the idea and it's really it's really cool to have that um really cool that you did that um but has has the public like i don't i don't really know how that works in 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 the library anyways but like has, has it seemed like people have been interested in it or that you know, people have been checking out the books or something? Or, like, has somebody, Uh, like, gotten mad? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I definitely have seen uh, some traffic. Um, I don't typically do displays, so I don't rightly know how much is expected. You know, if if I'm uh, performing on par, subpar, uh, I wouldn't expect that I'm overperforming at all. Um, But... Um, I definitely have seen um, more interest than I would have expected. Uh, I've had a lot of people, uh, you know, from within the system and, or who know that I've done the display actually reach out to me and, and make comments on it, say, hey, uh, you know, I'm really, you know, I'm really excited that this is happening. I'm really, uh, it's, this is, this is great. Um, uh, but and, and I have I have seen some people um, get a little bit frustrated at the display. Nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, definitely not as much um, reactionary uh, fallout as I as I would have expected. Um, like I was definitely expecting people to uh, you know take chairs to stand up and start tearing flags down. <laughs> um. yeah, I mean, I mean, any, any. I feel like any time, especially now that like someone does something leftist in public in Oklahoma, like in the back of my head, it's like race riot. They're gonna kill a ton of people. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But along along the display, uh, in addition to the the flags, I also had uh, just like little little uh, strips of paper, like little miniature bookmarks printed out with different um, different quotes and different definitions. Uh, like I had uh, definitions for like proletariat and bourgeoisie printed out, um, uh, not 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 in like the the narrow frame that we kind of use them 
commonly today, but in the more um, <clears throat> in the more uh, textually based uh, ways. Um, I also have quotes from Leon Trotsky, Lenin, uh, and Tsar Nicholas the Second, um, just printed out and kind of sprinkled around. Uh, they're they're you know sticking out of books like bookmarks. They're kind of sprinkled around the area, um, and I. A couple days after I put up the display, I did actually find several of those little strips of paper, like crumpled up, and on the ground. So that, but that's that's about as uh, that's about as intense as the reaction has gotten, which is very not. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I, 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 that just, that that gives me a little bit of hope, you know. But I, I to some extent, it's also like, okay, what people are coming into the library, what people are looking at these things. Uh, but still, that's good. Um, and I, I just want to know a few more things. Uh, and I, one of the things I think I, that would be coolest to hear is like, what other kind of resources exist at the library that you'd like us to know about? Since you know you're working there, and I mean, I know that I knew a lot more about OU's library when I was working there than I think most students did. And I think I think it's a really awesome resource that we have, and that you're in a good position to you know let people know what they can access. Yeah, for sure. Um... First and foremost, I would say, um, and, and I feel like a lot of people our age are, you know, plainly, clearly aware of this, but our catalog is online. You don't have to come into the library to search for something in our collection. Uh, so if you have a question about whether or not we have a book or whether or not we can get a book, um, you know, usually the answer is yes. Uh, yes, we will have it or yes, we can get it. Um, and you can check that from home. You can, uh, and if it doesn't show up in our catalog, if something's confusing, you can call in and they will help you. Uh, I mean, there, there are people who do that and they are very, very good at it. Um, the, the other thing, the kind of the follow up to that is that, you know, if we don't have a book and if we can't get it immediately, um, you can put in a request and for us, for us to actually buy it, uh, Anyone with a library card in our system can make a purchase request. You don't have to be staff. Uh, you just have to have a library card. That's it. Um, but you can make up to 10 purchase requests per month. Uh, and then collection, the collection management department will actually get back to you on the status of each one of those requests and say, uh, you know, whether it's been accepted and they're going to get it or if they don't, if they decide not to get it, they'll tell you why. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they'll they'll say, um, you know, this is only an independent publishing book. We can't actually acquire this, um, or this is too academic material. There's not enough demand for people to read this. Uh, but you can get it on uh, our interlibrary loan system, um, or they might say uh, this book just isn't available. Um, you know, there's 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 any number of separate things, but I've never had anything flat out denied based on content. Um, okay. And I, so, I've requested I've requested probably about uh, coming up on sixty separate items. Okay, so so every single listener of this podcast that has a Tulsa City County Library needs to be requesting <laughs> like fucking marks every month, <laughs> the whole time. That that's what I'm. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. That, I mean, that, that is what I've been trying to convince people to do. I'm trying to get 
uh, my local friends to, uh, you know, pitch in, pitch in their, their monthly quota of requests. Um, the, the only, the only, the only, uh, downside to that is that, you know, if they get flooded, um, I worry that, um, things might stagnate a little bit. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, you know, I'm not a part of that department. I don't know how their proceedings work exactly. Um, just, you know, people make requests, they look into the viability of circulating that material. And if they deem it appropriate, if they deem it good, uh, they'll, they'll acquire it. Well, you know, that is, you know, I, I do think, and I think, I think it'd be kind of cool if we could say Red Star of Rome, Oklahoma got a bunch of people to go tell the Tulsa Library to get some Marxist <laughs> literature. That'd be cool. So if you, if you notice, if you, if you hear about an upswing or something, please let us know. Uh, <laughs> for sure um and then i just uh i just wanted to know if uh we wanted to know if there are any uh organizations that that you're involved with currently that you want to tell us about um i know sometimes there's like that's a that's a concern for people um so so if if you don't want to tell us about some of your activities it's totally okay but if you're if you're doing some stuff that's no cool, no 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 yeah um i can't say i can't say that I am um, currently actively involved with any uh, organizations, but uh, I have spoken with the Oklahoma City John Brown Gun Club slash Redneck Revolt. Um, you know, I've, talk, I've talked with them. I'm planning on going to uh, some of their meetings. I mean, it's a really, really, really good organization. Um, very, I'm very excited to be able to to have a chance to take part in that um i haven't had a chance to go to any of their uh meetings yet um later this month they were joining in they didn't organize it as far as i know but uh they're joining in on a community cleanup effort in tahlequah uh mm -hmm. i guess there is a local uh dumping site that a bunch of people are getting together to address and they're they're one of the organizations that's pitching in oh, uh wow. so i'm going to try to make an appearance for that i don't know if my schedule will allow it um but i hope to you know do something there um well, i think we both adam and i really like redneck revolt um that that's a cool group and i i, I think like they're, they're so much more representative of like middle america working class people than like this like fake mm -hmm. image that liberal media likes to 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 trumpet about how we're all a bunch of ignorant hicks and shit um, <laughs> right um uh, but you know uh just one last thing um is there anything else you want to tell us about um just a moment um i actually have that list of books Oh, yeah, uh, cool. that are actually on the display right now up. Um, so first up, I have the quintessential uh, History of the Russian Revolution by Leon Trotsky. Um, I have uh, a couple like landmark works like Communist Manifesto. Um, I have, uh, uh, I don't know if it's still on the display. I think, believe this one's been taken, which was the... Uh, uh, essential works of of Lenin. Uh, I have some uh, peripheral, peripherally uh, relevant works like uh, Rosa Luxemburg's. Uh, I have her letters. I have um, the accumulation of capital. Um, 
I believe uh, Graham Shee's <laughs> prison notebook right there. That's um, some like pretty. That's like heady stuff. Like, <laughs> that, uh, I mean, I've actually got a. I've, I've actually got a copy of Capital on the display right now. <laughs> I don't expect anyone to take it, uh, but it's there. Um, uh, some the conquest of bread has come and gone more than once since the display's gone up. Um, it's really cool. You know, Kropotkin not <laughs> not uh, not directly relevant to the revolution, but uh, a peripheral figure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, China Mieville wrote a novel, uh, which was October: The Story of the Russian Revolution, that came out recently. That's on there. Uh, I believe that one's been taken. Um, I have a lot of like more uh, historic hindsight book kind of books. Um, I have uh, Volkogonov's uh, biography on Lenin. Um, I've got more Trotsky, 1905. Uh, uh, and then I have uh, a lot of stuff on the Romanovs uh, mm-hmm. uh, of, of various stripes, you know, whether that's, um, let's see, uh, uh, John Vanderkiff's Kist's uh, The Romanovs, 1818 to 1959, uh, you know, books following the Romanov sisters, the daughters. Uh, there's just a lot of varied works up there. Um, if you're looking for fiction, though, uh, anyone who might be listening, I would say um, expect it to be following. Uh, I tried to get good stuff up there, but most Russian Revolution fiction is following like imperial governesses who are now living in England because, oh, those darn Bolsheviks, you know, they took my ponies. Uh, it, my it's life a lot was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I owned fifty serfs and never worked, and those damn Bolsheviks ruined it for yeah, me. Yeah, those damn Bolsheviks. You know, they took they took my favorite my favorite serf. What am I going to do without my serf? <laughs> my, my good good my good good serf boy. Well, uh, John, uh, you know, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for much, uh, so much for putting that up at the library. You know, I think I think that's a really important part of, you know, getting the message out for people. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's, you know, seeing this kind of um, more varied at, at 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 very base level, not even trying to push this kind of agenda, but just introducing a more varied. Um, political ideological um spectrum to you know to the public is a really important thing you know um no one is going to try to say that you know what the u.s is about isn't open discussion of ideas uh, and open discussion of beliefs because it absolutely is so no one is going to say that um Okay, I, I shouldn't say no one. You know, people will definitely say that that shouldn't be up there in public, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, once again, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, it was really great to have you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you guys liked our uh, our interview, um, and uh, we wanna we wanna thank. Uh, 
John, for coming on and talking to us. And uh, if you want to check out any of that stuff, you can definitely go on and uh, check it out at the uh, Tulsa Central, Li- uh, Central Library website. Um, and uh, as for us, uh, you know, go check us out over on our new Facebook page. We're still putting uh, stuff up over there. Give us a like over at facebook.com slash redstaroverok. Our, our Twitter is, as always, at RedStarOverOK. We've got a subreddit, and that's where we put most of the uh, articles. Um, and we'll post uh, that reveal article from the Center for Investigative Reporting up uh, at our Red Star Over Oklahoma. Of course, we've got SoundCloud and iTunes, Red Star Over Oklahoma. And uh, you want to send us an email? That's it, RedStarOverOK at gmail.com. And uh, tell your friends about us and rate and review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe, everyone. And uh, have a great week. Yep. Bye. Bye.